My name is Emily Davidson Hoyt. I am the CEO and founder of Lather. What I love about beauty is having the opportunity to be a part of people's everyday life. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, I am Jessica Quick, your co-host for today's episode of Beauty is Your Business. As you heard, we're joined today by Emily. Hey, Emily. Hello. We are looking forward to this conversation. And obviously, I could not do this without my business partner, colleague, friend, co-host, Denise Dente. Hey, Denise. So great to be here this morning. We are definitely looking forward to this conversation with you, Emily. It's fantastic to have a CEO and a founder that has been in business for 20 plus years. And we know you're going to have a ton of experience and knowledge to share with us on really what it's taken to build this brand (laughs) over the last two decades and really continue to remain relevant, have great partnerships. So excited to jump into that conversation with you today. I'm as excited as you are. I'm really looking forward to talking and hopefully I can share all the mistakes I've made (laughs) so other people don't make them. Oh, I love that. So to get us started, walk us back 20 plus years ago. What was it that made you come into the beauty industry? What started you out here and really founding Lather? Love to understand your journey. Gosh, I started Lather in 1999, and it was really out of a personal need that I had. I grew up with severe migraine headaches from the time I was about five, and I missed out on a lot of life. There was a lot of days that I had to be in bed in a dark room and not being at school, not with my friends. It was really isolating, and it was really painful. Later, when I was just becoming a teenager, I discovered that one of the triggers for my migraines was perfume. And this was in the 80s, and perfume was like literally everywhere (laughs) from, you know, carpool to the mall to my own house with my mom. I mean, everywhere. So I had to work to not only eliminate like straight perfume, but to also eliminate any products that had perfume in them. And what I thought would be an easy process turned out to be a real struggle and led me on a search through fancy department stores and drug stores and everything in between to find products that I was excited to use, felt great, and that would not make me sick. And that led me on a journey to really understanding what makes up products, the different ways that beauty companies and household goods companies use to sell their products. I learned really quickly that the ingredient list at a high-end department store on a product was exactly the same as an ingredient on a product that, like, thrifty drugstores that I went to, and I was really shocked and upset, and I felt like it just could not be true, and then also led me to find different 
products that worked for me. Maybe they were products that were used in other cultures or other countries or even like more alternative lifestyles, which was the case in those years for using products with essential oils, using products that were naturally made or handcrafted. It was very alternative. It wasn't the mainstream, but I learned what products worked for me. And after I graduated, I worked for a few years in a communications public relations firm, working with nonprofits, really working to spread different messages and change behavior. But at the end of the day, I wanted to change the behavior that I saw around me when it came to picking beauty products, the behavior that I saw in my friends that were also in their early 20s, and they were really into exercise and spinning and jogging and shopping at so embarrassing. We didn't even have Whole Foods back then. It makes me feel so old. We had Wild Oats in Santa Monica. Everybody loved to shop at Wild Oats, and it felt really healthy and clean. But then they were putting all this stuff on their skin. They were spraying on perfume, and they were using products that really weren't healthy for themselves or for other people around them. And I was looking at them saying, hey, guys, if we're trying so hard to be healthy, why are you doing this? And it became a passion of mine to try to change that behavior that I saw. And that's what led me to start Lather. You're in your mid-20s at this point. Early 20s, actually, 24. Oh my gosh, amazing. So you basically then decide, I know what types of ingredients I want in my products. I know I don't want synthetic fragrances. And at that time, did you find a chemist or was that somebody that you had already known and you started building the formulas? How did you really go about finding that and then getting the company started? Well, at that time, I don't think I truly knew exactly what I wanted to use to make products. I just was fueled by trying to convince people around me that these other products weren't great for them and offering them some of the products I had used that worked for me. And like, look at this is so different. This is so great. And I just knew that there was a real need in the market for mainstream products that weren't alternative. And so I began to research. And in the beginning, I was putting together gift baskets. It was sort of a side job that I took on, gift baskets and small like catalog of products that were not mine, that I had found that worked for me. And then a few things that were mine, which were bath salts, which were very easy to make. It was Epsom salts and essential oil and some soaps, which I had found a soap maker that agreed to make me some like very basic handcrafted soaps at very, very low minimums. And so I was learning more about the formulation process and more about creating products. While I was doing this, when I first started Lather, I really had no knowledge of that. So it became a process that I worked with. Many people helped me, especially the people who were also putting out these products. I would call them and I would say, I want to learn more about how you do this, how you did this. Can you help me if I'm interested in doing something like this? Eventually, I did find a wonderful chemist who agreed to do small runs and taught me a lot. And then that's how I decided to sort of continue the line, launching it with ingredients that I truly understood and truly believed in. You really are ahead of your time in that way, because if we look 
at Europe and some of the regulations that have recently gone into effect in Europe, they've been taking out all of these fragrances in the state of California. We're struggling with this right now with the new law, the SB 312, and how fragrance and allergens and so forth and the notifications to the government. So Sounds like you were way ahead of your time on that. And so that's a good place to be. Even the influencer side, right? Like I was almost thinking how you making these baskets, you're almost kind of one of the original influencers. Like, oh, I got a basket from Emily of what she recommends. It's like that original, (laughs) which is kind of fun. Now, though, with so many people coming into this space and eliminating fragrance and using less perfumes, using less fragrances, I'm kind of curious about that and how you're seeing your brand evolve. Is it easier to find suppliers now? Is it harder than ever because now everybody's using similar ingredients and using similar vendors? Just from your point of view, now that people are migrating to using either no fragrance, less fragrance, or safer fragrance, what are you finding out there? Well, it's such an interesting question, right? Because you're absolutely right. There is a lot of movement happening in this niche of clean beauty. It's not only fragrance, but it's a whole list of any of the toxins that have been for years just regularly used and sort of not questioned until there's been more of a sense of empowerment. And so, yes, in a way, it's a mixed bag. It's very different than when I started and had to really convince people to take this seriously and, believe it or not, convince people that natural ingredients were safe because I got a lot of questions about that when I started. To now, the switch is the customers are very educated. They have a lot of options. Companies are changing the way they're doing business. Everything you've mentioned, yes, there's more competition. With this leads to more education for the customers. So there's not quite the hurdle there used to be in convincing the customers. Now it's convincing them of why to choose our products over maybe somebody else's products rather than convincing them that this is not a crazy idea, right? And then with more competition comes better sources of supply and manufacturing because suddenly manufacturers realize that this could be a business for them. They have more raw materials that they will hold in stock. They may lower their minimums. It's also become easier for us in that way. We no longer have to try to source directly from the grower, from the farmer, which is what I had to do in the beginning. Now, you know, there's catalogs of these ingredients and you can buy them with a click of your button and they have low minimums and you can get samples and it's it's amazing so the way we do business has definitely changed many things have gotten easier for us we are able to do things faster we have more choices we are able to have a wide variety of vendors to work from rather than feeling like we're putting all our eggs in one basket. That's great. On the other hand, there's a lot more competition. I personally am a big believer that the more competition you have, the better you are. I admire and love and purchase many of my competitors because several of them have a product that there's hero product that is just the most superior in the market. And it inspires me 
to do that. I look to them for inspiration, right? They're amazing. Most of them are independent, not all, but most of them are independent. And there is a community of us and there's a real kinship. We understand how hard this is. So I would say there's a lot of friendly and supportive competition. I truly believe that. It seems like the market's bombarded with clean beauty companies, bombarded with companies saying they won't use this preservative or this, and they have a list of 20,000 ingredients they won't use. And it can appear like we're bombarded. However, I don't know the latest statistic, but as of I feel like it was 2019, there was a report that came out that said clean beauty is still only 6 to 7% of the entire industry. So yes, it can feel like it's very crowded, but the truth is it's very crowded with a lot of independent brands all trying to offer something different and special. And some of the larger beauty companies that really own the market have been slow to change and to have these offerings. They are doing it, but it's still a small part of their business. So there's still a long way to go, even though, yes, it's much more crowded than it was in 1999 when it was very different landscape. And with that comes benefits and challenges. Well, and it's interesting. It sounds like as your business evolves, some things got harder and some things got easier. And as you think about Lather over the last 20 plus years, what would you say were some of the harder years? As an entrepreneur, were they the first years? Was it when you were trying to hit a certain milestone? As you think back on that, is there a certain part of that business process or business experience that was more challenging? Oh, gosh. I think every stage has its unique challenges. Definitely my first year. It was the most manic, (laughs) I will say, where the first six months I was flying high, like because I was not smart enough to realize (laughs) any different. (laughs) And it wasn't until I would say the back half of the six months where I was like, wow, this is not not easy. We're going to have to really get smart if I want to survive because I was down to dollars, like just being able to make payroll and being able to like barely pay vendors. And it was a real wake up call. As I learned just when all the excitement and the adrenaline and the support that you get from your initial community cheering you on starts to fade away, it can be so scary and difficult. Business is not easy. There's no business that I think is easy if there is. I'd love to hear about it. So it's hard and you have to dig deep and you have to be tough, certainly. And then, yeah, there's been many, many years that have had their own unique challenges, right? Them most recently, obviously, 2020, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk more about in this podcast, we do a lot of business with hospitality partners. It's been a major way for us to acquire new customers and get our name out there and sample products in a captive sort of environment. And we also have been really true to our belief to have our own retail stores, to have our own educational environment, to invite the customer in and have that one-on-one time. So working in hospitality and retail in 2020 was not great. I don't know any other way to say it. 
I have never encountered a time like that and hopefully never will. It's almost hard to describe how scary and horrible it was. Most of your business goes away. We're lucky, obviously. We have a great community that supports us. We have an established e-commerce site. We were definitely able to pivot and, and survive. But I think for sure that was the hardest year in business and in hardest two years, really, of my life. But I'm not alone in that. And I know that. You really have done some great things from a distribution standpoint that I do think are really valuable. And we are seeing things come back. So let's talk a little bit about your distribution strategy and the fact that you mentioned hospitality. And we know that we've seen that in the way of hotel amenities and so forth. That's obviously been part of your strategy. The retail stores and the brick and mortar stores that are owned and operated throughout the U.S., as well as even in airport shops. I used to and still do travel through Atlanta a lot, so have seen that. And then D2C business. And so having those three prongs, talk to us a little bit about what your strategy is there. Well, it was a strategy that really came from evolving the business and ensuring business survival. When I had the idea for Lather and and the concept and putting together my plan, my plan was to wholesale it. Who wouldn't want these products? This is clearly the answer and I will be on shelves all over the country. And I soon found out that that is not going to happen for me. In 1999, there was not a lot of love or acceptance for small independent (laughs) Beauty brands led by 24-year-olds out of their apartment. Crazy, but they weren't (laughs) rolling out the red carpet. (laughs) You weren't their target audience. They really looked at me like I was insane. And so it was dominated by the major beauty companies. I can't think of anybody that was not part of that, unless there were the alternative sort of gift boutiques, the ones that felt like I had where my Birkenstocks, everything was sage green and had raffia and honest to god those were lovely amazing products really really amazing but the only way they had was this sort of alternative path i wanted to do the opposite so i learned early on well i am just gonna have to figure out how to go to the customer how to talk to the customer And I was able to convince somebody to lease me a store in Pasadena. And I thought if I had the customers in a store and I didn't have to compete with the marketing and the fancy packaging and the sheer influence and power that the larger companies had, that I might be able to convince them. And I did. And as that evolved, I really didn't look back. I always sought to find the easiest way to touch a person. So how is the easiest way to touch a customer to have them come in the store? Where else do I not have to compete on a shelf? In a hotel room where I have the customer captive, where they have low expectations because most of the time the products there were not great, where they have to shower. And so... I tried to go exactly where I could touch the customer without fighting this beast that I perceived to be the competition that I was facing at that time. It was just really a strategy of necessity. And then along came, of course, before our website, we had an 800 number. We still do. 877-6-LATHER. We had a catalog. We had stories in the catalog about, you know, how we get our ingredients from all over the world and 
we had the D2C that way, and then eventually e-commerce as soon as we could. So it's always been about finding where the customer or potential customer is, being able to penetrate it in a cost-effective way and grow that way. Just having faith that your product will do the selling, really. So that's just been always my strategy is to look where the customer is. So understanding that strategy now and the marketplace today is obviously, as you pointed out, vastly different in 2022 than 1999. Would you open a store today? Would you look at that retail environment? A hundred percent. Yes, because there is no substitution for knowing your customer. And there's no better way that I know of to really learn who your customer is than to work. And I mean, go and sit and work in the store and try to sell somebody your product and seeing their reaction to what you're saying, to seeing their face when they're at the sink trying it, to understanding when even though you and your team back in the office thought this was a home run, when you see people's face that is like, yeah, no, I I really don't need this, you know immediately, and that doesn't happen very easily any other way that I know that you can do focus groups, but this is the ultimate environment to understanding who your customer is and how to serve them. That's why we are all in business. And it just is not as easily done in a conference room or through social media, quite frankly, or or online. All of those things can be done well and can support it, but I do not think it's very easy to really truly know who your customer is any other way. I personally don't. Maybe there is other ways, but that's what I've seen. So I 100% would open a store. I think it's worth every penny, to be honest, really. You will learn so much. And not to mention the customers you have there, you will have a much longer time. They will be buying things that they know are right from them. There's much less returns. There's a much greater loyalty to the product. When we talk about your stores, our experience has been, you know, you've got the stores, the brick and mortar that are you know, freestanding locations. And then you have this store that's in the Atlanta airport. And I'm really curious about that piece because is that a different consumer? What kinds of information are you getting from them? I would love to know more about that. That is such a good question. Yes, that's a different customer. We operate that through a partnership. And so if you shop at an airport, even if you're shopping at a Starbucks or whatever the newsstand, oftentimes on the bottom of the receipt, you will see HMS hosts or duty-free shops or et cetera. So it's a different avenue for us. It's a different customer, obviously, because it's a traveler off an airplane. They're going through the T-terminal and they're, you know, maybe grabbing something quick. You're not going to see them in four weeks to replenish, most likely. Actually, sometimes you do, but very rare. You're not going to be inviting them to events, etc. So a very different customer. I love the partnership. I enjoy the partnership because we have learned to take care of travelers so well. It is a natural fit, but it's a very different type of retail business than our other stores, for sure. 
And I assume that's the same with the amenities program that you do as well, because that's also a traveler and somebody that's on the move. And I think is the goal to then have them experience it in an environment such as the airport or in their hotels, and then have them come into the stores or purchase online. Is that the strategy? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I actually still to this day, traveling can be difficult for me. And I understand difficult in that I may get a migraine. And I've always got to have certain migraine medications and it's stressful. I mean, nowadays traveling is very stressful, but if we're honest, it's always been somewhat stressful. When you think about the reasons people travel, it's often for really important reasons. A job interview, a wedding, a presentation, a vacation that you've worked all year for, for your family. These are key moments and traveling can be really hard. And it's one of those times where If you were to get something like I can get a migraine or even just have an awful night sleep before you have to give that presentation, it can really affect how you feel. Really, there is very few times I think people are more vulnerable than in the morning, newly arrived in a strange city, in a strange room, naked in a shower getting ready for their day. If you think of it, I cannot think of any more vulnerable out of comfort zone time. Even if you're in a luxury resort, you're still putting yourself out there. You're naked in a shower. And if we have the opportunity to give something to a person in that position that makes their entire day better, which we feel strongly that we have products that can do that and can really surprise and delight them and really change the experience they were expecting to have, then oftentimes we have a customer for life. And oftentimes these are people that are not out to find a particular product to solve something on the weekend shopping, and they are not expecting this. And they go into their shower and they shower with our mint time hair wash and they feel the tingle, and they inhale the essential oil, and they wake up, and they feel revived, and they feel like they can take on their day. I've had so many women and men, but oftentimes men, businessmen, say to me, it's the best shampoo I have ever tried. And, you know, yes, they're not out shopping for different experiences. They get to experience something they didn't realize they needed. So, yes, that is part of the strategy, and that's been our major customer acquisition channel, and we love doing it, and we love taking care of the traveler. What a really unique and different strategy for customer acquisition. I think it's been really fascinating to understand how you've looked at this travel channel as really customer acquisition. Oh, yeah. 100%. And then I also saw this year that you got awarded the partner with Forbes Travel Guide as their bath and body line for 2022. So you can really see the effort and energy that you've put into developing truly this trial program, right? People go out and give you samples and so forth. But for you and for Lather, it's about getting to the traveler and getting that first experience. And I love how you said it was at a moment when they're not expecting to solve a problem or find a new product. And that moment of discovery actually even adds more to that whole experience. 
I think it's really fascinating. I know next time I'm in a hotel, I'm going to start looking around if they carry lather and, you know, what amenity program they have and really start paying attention to that touch point for the customer. Well, if we've learned anything the last couple of years is that health and wellness and how you feel is so important. You can really see this influence over every industry. And so for us, it's a very natural fit. And I think that if you think of subscription boxes, if you think of other ways people are trying to sample, this is something key if you're going to be in a product business like we are. So what is next for Lather? You're in hotels, you're traveling, people are getting back on the road again, you've got stores, and now people are going back into the shops and brick and mortar and shopping again. So what is next for Lather? You know, what's next for us is to continue to remain true to ourselves, who we are as a brand, to be committed to telling the truth, to exploring for new ingredients and new products, to be caretaking of our customers, our vendors, our team, and to be sticking on the path that we've always been on and continuing to just expand our business through whatever avenue makes the most sense for that path. We're not on a mission to grow a certain percentage every single year and just purchase revenue, which I see a lot of other people doing and hope that they'll come back over their lifetime. We're on a path to earn customers one at a time the hard way (laughs) and to make sure we're always staying true to what we promise them. And that's all I feel that a business should do. So that's what's next for us. What a great note to end on. I so appreciate your time today, Emily, and walking us through really what it's been like building the brand and how you have done this in a very different way. You were a trailblazer in the late 90s when clean wasn't a thing. You're a trailblazer today in doing customer acquisition. And even, like you said, the hard work of selling to the customer directly one-on-one and understanding it. So thank you so much for the time. If people want to get a hold of you or maybe continue some of the conversation or ask you some questions based off of your experience, how is the best way they can get a hold of you? Connect with me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. And so I'm on there often. I feel like you can learn so much. I would also encourage people, become friends with your competitors. You know, reach out and you guys can still stay in your own lane and both succeed. But I like LinkedIn for that reason. So uh, feel free to connect with me there. I'd love to talk to everybody and anybody. And then follow us on social, Lather, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. We're not as active on Twitter, but yeah, just follow us mostly on Instagram, I would tell people, or come into one of our stores. But LinkedIn, if you want to continue the conversation, it's probably the easiest way. Love it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.